Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Hey, so we're going to jump right in to the book of James, and I love this book so much. It really is a reflection of the New Testament in regards to wisdom, right? And I don't know about you, but we, we went through the book of Proverbs, and one of the, the overarching theme was that we should seek wisdom, that we should seek counsel, that we should seek wisdom, not necessarily from a worldly perspective or from other people, but we should seek wisdom from God. And though this is very practical, I want to encourage you that this is some stuff that if we can get this right, if we can get healthy, if we can step into this, that I believe that God would continue to grow us and mature us and nurture us. Because here's the thing, let's be honest. If you're in this room and if you're fighting through what it means to follow follow Jesus, or maybe you are following Jesus, wherever you're at, this is applicable. Because really, I want to get better. I don't know about you. I want to grow in maturity. And for me and for many people in this room, and by the way, you're here at church for a reason, right? To follow Jesus is to give up many rights. And it's to step into this new kingdom of God. And with that comes, hey, you can do better. Hey, we can do something. We can do it differently. Hey, we can encourage one another. So we find ourselves In James chapter 3, if you have your Bible, if you have your app, we're going to have it up on the screen. It says this. This is a good one. We're going verse 1 through 12. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. So he makes it very clear. No one is perfect. We all stumble in many ways. And anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect able to keep their whole body in check. In other words, he's saying we should strive for this. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, big, giant horses. Or take ships for an example, James says. Although they are so large and they're so big, they're driven by strong winds. They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue, here it is. The tongue, that small little piece in your mouth, part of your body, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it and is itself on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed, yet mankind can't find that. No human can can tame the tongue. Why is that? It's interesting, right? It is a reckless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise the Lord our Father right here and right now, right? And then we also curse human beings, one another, each other, who have been made in God's image. Out of the same mouth come praise and come cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Another way he's saying as he's writing to a myriad of churches and to the church at large, he's saying, my brothers and sisters, those that follow Jesus, this should not be of you. Can a fig tree bear olives or a grape bear figs? 
sorry, I skipped verse 11. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a, gra- or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt, can salt spring produce fresh water. So the title of this talk today, this morning, and again, titles are really big to me, is it is simply a heart issue. It's a heart issue. I was processing what this means to Sammy, right, and, and applicable to me, and then what it means to us at large. And I don't know if you knew me in high school, but I, 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 was, I was a proud, arrogant guy, right? And I'll never forget there was this rumor that was spreading like wildfire about me. And, and I'm sure Kelly can recollect it was just drama in high school for me. And I, I remember, because I, I just don't care when I get to the point of frustration with someone, I don't care what anyone thinks. I'll go and I'll, I'll stand up in front of a crowd and yell whatever. Like, but I have to kind of get to that point. I don't know about you, but when you get so frustrated, you just have to say something and you kind of forget everything else and the ramifications to, to what happens. And I'll never forget, I heard these rumors. I was a junior in high school, and I said, that's it. There's this one particular individual that kept talking about me. And it wasn't true, but it was kind of true. But it wasn't true. <laughs> and, It wasn't fully true, but it was kind of true. And I remember I was so mad, and I heard this. You know how everything just, everyone's talking and text messaging. Oh, did you know that this is Sammy did this? Oh, did you know? And I said, that's it. I cannot stand this person. And I got up, and this individual was with their their significant other in high school, right? And I remember I got up, and there was like this little platform at at Chino High School, if you know, if you've been there, like those little, it's it's like a step up. And I got up, and I said, hey, we need to talk. And then I raised my voice because I wanted everyone to know. I said, hey, you're talking all this stuff about me. What, what about you? You know what I heard about you when you went to church and what you did with your friend or your boyfriend? And I just went off and I spilled all the dirt. And I made sure that th- my voice kept raising. And that was Sammy Flo. And I don't know about you, but that created a certain type of person for Sammy. People said, viewed me differently after that. And I was so arrogant, I kind of liked it. Yeah, you don't talk about me like that. And I'll never forget how it made me come off from junior year to senior year. Because I was just that punk, I was that tool, right? There was also another time where I was driving, and, and again, I was wrong in this. So it wasn't like a full, it was, it was fully, I was off. But notice it was my words, and I learned something because I I was the youngest of, I had three older brothers, so I had to learn I can't fight you. You know, now when I got older in high school, I'd start fighting my brothers. The brother above me is like 6'3". And so I couldn't fight, and so then I'll just use my words. So I'd say really mean things to my brothers. They would say something rude to me or disrespectful, and I'm like six years old, and I'm like, how can I get, well, you know, at least I'm not going bald. I'd say stuff like that. And like, my brother's not even going bald. It's like... And I don't know about you, but then when you say those things, and then because I'm so tenderhearted, my, I'd get in an argument with my mom and be like, Mom, I hate you. Have you ever done that? And then you walk to your room, and literally as I'm going to my room, I'm like, why did I say that? Why did I say that? It's not even true. Our words are really powerful. There was another time when I was, I was driving, and I just got my license. I, I believe I was 16 years old, but when you turn 16, you have to have your license for a certain amount of time before you have company in your car. And I had a Volkswagen, and I was driving, and it was, like, slammed low, and there was, like, a base, a 12-inch base in the back, and I was that guy, right? 
and I had two friends in the car, two girls. They, they were just friends, honest, they were just friends. And we were driving down the street, down Edison, passing Ayala Park, and there was a cop that pulls me over. And we're, go, we're going we're gonna go ice blocking. You guys know what ice blocking is? I think that's what it's called. Where you sit on ice and you go down a mountain. You, go, you buy this big block of ice and you could just go, and you like, you go down the hill, right? Anyway, you're like, what is going on? Why is ice? What are we talking about? So I, I remember I got pulled over by the cop. And you know what he told me? And I had issues with cops when I was young because I, I thought I was right and they were wrong. He said, do you know why I pulled you over? I was like, I, sir, I have no idea. I was driving the speed limit. I've done nothing wrong. I have no idea what I did wrong. He said, well, that placard is when I was in high school, I, you have to have a placard to when you park that says student parking. That placard's getting in the way of you driving. And I'm like, here's, here's Sammy's mouth. I'm like, sir, this is getting in the way of me driving? And he's like, why don't you, sit, why don't you get out of the car? And I'm like, here we go. And then he found out that I was with these friends, driving with them. And then he tells me to pull out my license. And he says, I want you to read the license to me. And I'm like, the back, I know what it says. It says that after six months, you can't drive with anyone. But after, then you're okay after six months, you can. But during that time, you cannot have anyone else in the car with you. You're like on a probationary time. And I said, sir, I'm not going to read that. I know exactly what it says. I'm, I'm not doing this. That's what I told him. And he's like, okay, sit down right here. We're going to have to tow your car then. And your friends, you're going to have to have your friends call their parents to come pick you up. And then I backtracked. Oh, I'm so, oh, we don't have to do that. I don't need to tow my, all that. The point is, my, my words became destructive in my life. And if I'm being honest, if God didn't get a hold of my life, I probably would have gone down a really deep, crazy life because just of my words. I got in fights because of it. I thought I was that guy because of it. No one, if you said something about me, I'm going to protect my image, and I'm going to let you know that you're wrong. And you see, James, he brings this up because he says words can change everything. Words with the right combination can separate a marriage. It can split up business partners. It can split up best friends. It can set a house on fire. Words can terminate a relationship. Or it can truly, truly, truly affect your future. Would you agree? James is trying to compel to us that our words really do affect our future. Just to recap the past weeks, James chapter 1, the verse says, if you have a relationship with God and you can't tame your tongue, your whole relationship with Jesus is worthless. James chapter 2, what does it look like to actually have faith with works? James chapter 3, where we're at, unpacks what it would look like to tame the tongue. Real practical, right? You know what's interesting is we have a lot of messages about lust or greed or all of these different, like, big, big things in our journey of life and faith. But very often do we talk about the tongue. And that's why I love going verse by verse or often chapter by chapter in a book because you can't hide from, I can't hide from chapter three, can you? So we have to talk about it. It's in the word of God. And I, I honestly believe that if we would allow it with the right posture to speak to our soul, God can do great things with how we use our words. Because oftentimes, if we're unhealthy, we're just going to bring people down. We're going to lower the standard of what it means to be a follower of Jesus because emotionally we have things to work on. And what happens is it's a heart issue. So it's, yes, it's your words, but really it's your heart. In this church, 
that James is writing at the moment, there are two big issues going on. The first is a lot of people have the talk, I follow Jesus, without the walk. And the second is somebody had the talk that was tearing the church apart. Somebody was saying something or others or groups, and it was, it was ripping the church apart. And by the way, this is all throughout the, God, the, the New Testament epistles. Oftentimes, it's usually somebody's words that brings something bad that happens. There's a split, and then Paul intervenes, or James will intervene, or even Jesus will intervene and say, there must be reconciliation. You know, um, in high school, Kelly, my beautiful bride, will be married seven years in December, and I'm proud of that. Like, that's, yeah, come on. <laughs> but J Kelly, I'll never forget, you know, I was going in, we were going into our freshman year of high school. I was going to go to Don Lugo. I went there for a semester. So shout out to the, the Lugo conquistadors. <laughs> but, but then I, I eventually transferred to Chino High School, and many say it was because of Kelly, and sure, it was. But here it is. I, I remember going in, we were eighth graders going into our, our high school year, and Kelly and her mom, they had horses in the backyard, like massive horses, and then Kelly tells me one time in junior high, yeah, I ride horses. I'm like, what? You ride horses? What? I used to love horses. I still do. Like, I, you can ask my mom. I wanted to, like, have horses when I was younger. We would go to our cousins up north and ride the horses everywhere. And I'll never forget, I was like, Kelly, let's, you, you should ride the We should go on the horse. And so her mom allowed us. We had to put the helmets on. But Kelly said, I have to tire the horse first. I'm like, what do you mean? You have to tire the horse down. And she put the bit on the horse. Or no, there wasn't a bit yet. And she like had like this whip thing. And then we were in the circle and she was just hitting the horse, making it run. And I'm sitting and she was like, oh, by the way, when we get on the horse, you got to be really careful because the ears say everything. If the horse is really angry, you got to be careful. The ears will go all the way back. Or if the ear goes up or down, it's trying to listen. The horses speak to us through their ears. And so you just got to be really attentive. And now I'm freaking out because I don't want to get on the horse. But I'll never forget. And my dad was the one who brought this revelation to me. When Kelly got on that horse, this small, I don't know, 5'6", five, 5'7", five, young, blonde, like majestic girl. I'm like, wow, she's so beautiful and awesome. She's like a whole other person. She like gets up on the horse like she owns the horse. And then she grabs the little, you know, whatever, what are the reins with the bit in the mouth, and she just controls that thing. Massive horse. And I'm like, dang, Kelly. Whoa. Shh. Jeez, everything changed at that point for me. I was like, man, this, and my dad was the one who said, she, he said, hey, I know she's small, I know she's tiny, but that takes a lot of boldness. And so that spoke to me when I look back and when James brings up the bit and the horse. You see, she got on the big horse and she took charge of it. Verse 3 says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal you see, the tongue, if you're taking notes, if you're processing, the tongue is titanic. I'm sorry, the tongue is tiny, but the power of it is titanic. I'll say it again. The tongue is tiny, it's small, it's really minuscule, it's like whatever, but the power of it and behind it is titanic. To change the direction, James would say in narrative form, of the entire person's life. The tongue is tiny but has titanic power. What? To destroy a little spark starting a fire will destroy everything, a whole forest. And it's small. It's often, often it will start out really small, right? 
really small. And what's interesting is James is also saying that animals, they can be tamed and controlled. But what is it about us human beings? The one thing that is destructive over our future and over relationship and even with God is our tongue. But I would propose as we look at this passage of scripture that it starts from the heart. It is a heart issue. So the question you have to ask yourself is where are you with Jesus? Have you allowed him to transform you from the inside out? Verse 8 again, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You see the mouth makes the sound but the heart is the source. James 3, 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings. Verse 11, both both fresh water and salt water flow from the same, how, how can they flow from the same spring? James 3.13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by their deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. So then, humility is actually a big deal in today's conversation. Wouldn't you agree? Like if Sammy was more humble, I wouldn't have cared what this person was saying about me, regardless if it was true or not. It's like, whatever, you could say whatever you want about me. I know what God says about me, but not when you're unhealthy. You really want to know because you want to save face and you want your image to be right. And so what I did was I, I made sure I said it straight. And what happens with that is it can be catastrophic. If you're someone who struggles with the words of your mouth, often, honestly, like me and like many of us in this room, it's an issue of pride which is fixed. Here it is. It is fixed by the Spirit of God giving you humility. Really practical, but really honest. This comes from the scriptures. A lot of times it's like, I wish I didn't say that. I don't know why I said that. I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to, but I did. And it's like, well, it's a heart issue, right? The proud say, I want to top you on everything. I want to be right. The proud say, I want to gossip so it looks like I know everything and I'm special. It's even the proud that say, well, what, what's going on? I kind of want to know too. And a lot of times when we give in to those things, what we're doing is we're creating division and we're creating eventual destruction or relation sever or breaking. And it's just, it's catastrophic. The question is, why do we tear people down? Why do we do that? Why does everything I do have to be better than what you do? Why do I have to say the things that I say, right? Do you ever ask those questions? James is saying it's a heart issue. Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor, you see that word harbor? If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambitions in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, he's using sarcastic undertone, does not come from heaven, but it is earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's, he says it's demonic. I don't know about you, but I don't want to participate in no demonic stuff. <laughs> Unfortunately, we do when we don't learn to tame our tongues. For where you have envy and self-ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice, James says. I'll say it again, verse 16. For where you have envy and self-ambition, something that's harboring up in your heart that eventually comes out, there you find disorder. God is a God of order. He took, in the scriptures in the Old Testament, says that the spirit of God hovered over the sea. 
when it was just, not, it was just, he was just hovering. And then, and it was chaotic, and then God came and he spoke with his mouth, with his words, with the logos. In the beginning was the word, he spoke, and the word was God, and the word became God, and then flesh dwelt among. Something about our words changes the future for good or bad, but there is also something about creating order. And if there's not healthy order within, how could we expect there to be healthy order outside? We just focus on our words or our bad deeds or our self-ambition or our pride or our evil. We are missing the point at that perspective then. If we just focus on those things, your deeds or your self-ambition, your pride. The source is not just behavioral issues. Hear me, the source is the heart. I love this part. The text unfolds. So we're, we're dipping a little bit into chapter 4. James says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? He gives us an insight about what's happening within the churches. Don't they come from your desires, that battle within you? Quarrels and fights? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. That's not good. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. It's a heart check that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. So here's the solution. It's not just to zip our lips or to fight really hard to just, ah, just turn it off. The solution is to bend our knees. It's to go back to humility. It's to go to the creator of the universe, and it starts with God. You know pride is actually arrogance against God. It's saying, I actually know better than you, God. But humility is saying, I need to get low. I need to get grounded. That's that, 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 that terminology. True humility is just being grounded. True pride is being high. And so I would propose through the scriptures to you and to I as followers of Jesus or those looking at what it looks like to follow Jesus, that we, we must, it's a prerequisite to, we must become humble and grounded. And again, here's how James checks a person. He checks, he's checking somebody in the community. James 4, 4 through 6, you adulterous people, he says. Like he goes zero to 100. He's not holding back any punches. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. Thank God. He gives us more grace and more grace. And more. when I mess up, he gives me grace. When I fall short, he gives me grace. When I say that thing that I shouldn't have said to that person in high school, he's, he's forgiven. Thank God you've forgiven me. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Worship, you guys can come on up. Therefore, God has grace for you. Some of you need to hear that. Maybe you're on a tilt where it's too legalistic, right? Where it's too work-based. You need to be reminded that you, you, you have grace. That you have his mercy and his comfort and his forgiveness and his compassion. And he will make a big difference with the spirit in your life. Galatians says this, this is Paul speaking now, the Galatians 5, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Here they are, they're obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, Lord help us, hatred and discord, jealousy, fits of rage, self-ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is this. This is Paul, okay? You want to know the solution to all those things? It's the Spirit of God. It says this. Here's just the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And here it is, self-control. Not just of my evil desires or my lust, but of my tongue. So James asks, who can tame the tongue? You remember that question? Who can tame the tongue? Paul has a direct answer. The Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you. I don't know what background you've come from in, in, in denomination or in upbringing or in practice or in church. But you need to be reminded. You cannot be afraid of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, is your companion. He's your adversary. He's the one that comes and advises you and, and helps you and, and allows you to go the right path. And he's the one that is ultimate wisdom. And so the spirit of God is already within us, those who proclaim Christ. And so it's, it's got to be a working spirit of God, Holy Spirit, come and speak and move and give me self-control over this tongue that's creating destruction. Why you adulterous people? Jane, why, why did you say that? He says, those that are disloyal. We know what adultery is, right? Those that are disloyal. It's the question of the heart. And the question is, is God enough for you? That's really what it is. Like we went from the tongue to words to the heart to now, guys, church, coin. Is God enough for you? James is saying, you want to be the bride of Christ, don't you? But it looks like you're dating the world. It looks like you know you're chosen, you're adopted. You need to know this, by the way. You're chosen, you're adopted, you're filled, you're saved, you're sanctified sinners. You're sons and daughters and heirs of Christ. However, it looks like you're getting a lot of self-worth from riches or from money or for what people think about you or from what your friends say or where you live or the size of your car or your house or the size of your biceps, Right? or the position in your company or in career, he says that is, unfortunately, it's dabbling, it's dating with the world. Not so with us. Let's push against that. The question is, as we process that, is God enough for you? So how do we apply this? Here it is, and we're done. The Spirit will lead us to speak what is true with love when necessary. Write this down if you're taking notes. If you're going to speak... This is for Sammy too. Lord, help me. If you're going to speak, always ask yourself, is it true? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Is it worth going and saying what you need to say or saying what you... Is it true? Is it necessary? Or is it kind? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So as we close, here's some words that I want to encourage you with, because again, words lift us up and words can tear us down. So as you leave church on a Sunday and you came, so man, I can't believe you're here. It's phenomenal that you, that we and where we're at in the world and the craziness and dissension and divisions and witchcraft and like the enemy just seeming to like move like no other. We choose and there's something about getting up 
physically coming, worshiping, and listening to the word of God. And I want to encourage you, and I want to bless you, and I want to remind you that God is for you and he's not against you. That if you feel like you're the one, he's running after you. But here's some words of encouragement that comes from the word of God. God comforts me in all tribulations. You need to say that. God always will comfort me. The scripture says, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation. The next, I am sufficient in God. You need to be reminded of that. Here's the scripture, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Here's the next one, I will not fear evil. Can we proclaim that today? I'm not gonna fear evil. I'm not even gonna be a person that fears anything because with the spirit of God, I can step into any room and know that God is with me. I will fear no evil. My voice is heard by God. When you pray, when you talk to him, he hears your voice. God is my helper. I will not be moved. God makes me strong. God rescues me from trouble. God heals my wounds. My soul finds joy in God. And maybe you need to be reminded, not that you need to be uh, fixed or that you need to be corrected, but you need to be encouraged. You need to be lifted up that God is for you, friend. He's for you. Do you know that? Do you know that he's for you and God is enough? So I want to pray for you as you go amongst your busy day. As you process James chapter 3, next week is James chapter 4, and we're talking about what it looks like to submit to God with open hands. So Jesus, I pray over every person in this church, God. I pray, God, that as they process your word, that you would speak to them, that you would move in them. Lord, that this would be a serious thing right here, right now, Father that they would recognize and take inventory of the words that are coming out and that they would then question where their heart is with you and with others. Jesus, only you can get into our soul. And I pray, Father, that we would allow you in and that you would move and that you would comfort and that you would raise us up for a greater future because you got something in store for everyone's life. You got a calling over our life and I don't want to be messed up. I don't want to go through the test over and over and over again just because my words keep tripping me up. God, I want to be, I want to have a spirit of control over my tongue. Do what you must in my life, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen and amen.